Prayer is a good place to begin and end, and prayer is the topic that you chose two weeks ago, uh, specifically unanswered prayer, when God, when God says no. Uh, unanswered prayers are a problem, maybe even a scandal, especially when you consider that Jesus said, whatever you ask for in my name, believing, you will receive it. It suggests that if you get the formula right in Jesus' name, and that you ask with enough faith, you will get what you asked for, what you petitioned for, what you desire, as though God were a magic genie. And there are seemingly no disqualifiers, at least in Jesus' promise or invitation there, no matter how noble or self-serving the prayer. Unanswered prayer or a no answer sometimes tests or challenges our faith. I've met people who are angry with God or the idea of God, Because they prayed for someone, and maybe it was a sick child, a desperately sick child, or an ailing parent, or a broken marriage, or for themselves, and the prayer went unanswered, or it received a no answer. You know, thankfully, there are many examples in Scripture of God answering prayer, but there are also examples uh, where God said no. There are both examples and some explanation of why God doesn't answer a prayer or why God says no. And let's not forget that Jesus himself is one who prayed and received a no answer from his Father. Uh, there, I'm, I'm going to start with a scripture from Matthew today before we get to the Second Corinthians passage. But if you would, open to Matthew 26 beginning with verse 36, Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36. Again, here's an example of Jesus praying a heartfelt, a gut-wrenching prayer, a sincere prayer, praying for the cup of suffering to pass. Starting with verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You know the rest of the story. Jesus got up, went back to the disciples, found them sleeping. He urged them to, to stay awake and, and pray with him and, and for him. And, and then uh, verse, um, verse 42, it says, He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. So twice Jesus prays, first fervently and, and heartfelt that this cup of suffering, this, this, um, the, the crucifixion, the, the, sa- the shame and the suffering that he was about to endure, that he knew was coming, he prayed that it would pass. God, if there's, God, my Father, if there's some other way, let it be so. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then the second time Jesus prays, it is with a bit of resolve. If this is the way it has to happen, then God, let it serve your purpose, your good. Jesus teaches us a bit about prayer here. Fervent, heartfelt, but also an absolute trust in his Father. That even if he 
needed to go through this, even if God's answer to the prayer was no, and that he was to go through the suffering and the crucifixion, then Jesus humbly prayed, then let it serve your good, your purpose, Father. So Jesus prayed faithfully, fervently, but also humbly, trusting God's ultimate wisdom, purposes, and plan. If God's answer to your prayer is no, there probably is some good and eternal reason for it. No is an answer to prayer. I recall a gentleman in our recovery ministry years ago, he sometimes would lead the prayer at the beginning or the end of a meeting, and oftentimes he would pray, God, thank you for the prayers that you answer, and thank you for the prayers that you don't answer. There was a lot of wisdom in that prayer. A sense of maturity, if you will, that recognized that sometimes it's a good thing that God doesn't always give us what we want. He was able to recognize that and even thank God for sometimes saying no. Now, Scripture does give us a little bit of insight into why might it be that God either doesn't hear prayer or why He might say no sometimes. And, and I'm sharing this with you because Scripture um, speaks to it, but it doesn't put a lot of emphasis on it, but I think it's still important to consider. Sin and unbelief, quite frankly, are the things that sometimes get in the way of our prayer. And I want to underscore sometimes. Because we all sin every day, okay? And even in terms of unbelief, we all have our doubts, okay? So I just want to put that caveat in there that sin and unbelief can hinder our prayers. They don't always, but they can, okay? And James, he probably gives us the clearest explanation, if you will, why God sometimes says no or doesn't answer prayer. This is from James 4. Chapter, uh, James, James chapter 4, beginning with verse 2. James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Well, there's one reason why you don't get an answer. You don't even ask. You do not have because you do not ask. But then James says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, don't take that as a word that says you can't pray for yourself. It is important to pray for yourself. But check your heart. Check your motives. What is it that you're asking for? Why are you asking for those things? James says sometimes our hearts aren't right. We're just out for our own good, our own uh, gain, if you will. So there's a, those are some reasons why there might be no answer or a no answer to prayer. Again, as I said, uh, no answer or a no answer is a moot point if you're not actually praying. You have to actually be praying, really praying, before you can complain that God doesn't hear or doesn't answer your prayers. So maybe a brief prayer refresher is in order this morning, and I will keep it brief, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you seven affirmations from Scripture, seven teachings from Scripture about prayer. They're very brief. If you want to keep notes this morning, I'll give you these seven quickly and briefly. The first is this, and, I, and I'm not going to give you necessarily the scriptural references for each of them. Um, trust me. This is what the Bible teaches. If you need the references, I'll give them to you later. But the first one is this. I'm doing it simply to save time. The first one is this. God hears your prayers. God hears your prayers. When you pray, God is listening. He hears your prayers. He hears your prayers of praise and worship. God has been witness to us so far for the past 45 minutes almost. He's been privy to 
the prayers, our praises this morning. Your prayers of confession and sorrow over sin, your petitions on behalf of others, your prayers for yourself, God hears all of those. God hears them all. He hears the cries of the oppressed, the poor, the refugee, the outcast, the lonely, the sick, and the dying. God hears your loud cries. He hears your joyful shouts. He hears your faint whispers. You have 24-7 access to the throne of heaven. God hears. Secondly, God prays for you. You heard me right. God prays for you. He cares about you and your needs and wants. God cares so much about you that when words fail you, when you are in a place where you don't even have the words, you don't have the energy, you don't even know what to pray for, God's Spirit that is dwelling in you prays on your behalf, prays for you. Isn't that amazing? To have that kind of a relationship with God that even when you don't know how to pray or what to pray or don't even have it in you to pray, God's Spirit in you is praying on your behalf. Thirdly, pray with faith. Without faith, Scripture says, it's impossible to please God. Don't doubt that God hears your prayers. And there's a strong warning in the book of James, again, about praying for something, especially for something that you know is God's will, like wisdom, and then doubting that He will grant it. Pray with faith, believe, and trust. Let me say this. Anything that is God's will for you, the answer to that prayer is going to be yes. As James says, if you pray for wisdom, don't doubt, believe it. God wants you to be wise, right? God also wants you to be able to forgive. God wants you to be able to believe. God wants you to be able to love. All those things that you know are God's will, if you pray for those things, believe that God is going to grant that prayer. Don't doubt. Fourthly, pray boldly and persistently. In Luke 11, Jesus gives two illustrations for prayer. It's where his disciples come to him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And in that, in that explanation, Jesus talked about a man who came to his friend at midnight and said, lend me three loaves of bread. Remember the story? And then there's another illustration. Jesus said, uh, which of you fathers, if your son asks for an egg or a fish, will give him a scorpion or a snake instead? His point was that fathers, even though they're imperfect, know how to give good gifts to their children. And then in the context of those two illustrations, Jesus said, Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. (laughs) Knock and the door will be open to you. And then Jesus repeated it. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. And those are all in the present tense. Not only does Jesus repeat himself, but it's in the present tense, which means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In other words, be persistent and be bold in your prayers. Jesus taught us to do that, and he modeled it. Or as Scripture says in other places, pray without ceasing. And the world needs our bold and our persistent prayers. Fifthly, pray in Jesus' name. This does not mean that every prayer has to have the tag in Jesus' name. It's not some magic formula. What it means is that we approach the Father through his Son, Jesus, Jesus is our brother, one of us, and he intercedes on our behalf. We pray according to the things that Jesus cares about. We pray according to the teaching and the character of Christ. 
praying in the name of Jesus means that we are pursuing Christ and pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. And that brings us to our sixth point. God involves you in his work in the world through prayer. God involves you through his, in his work in the world through prayer. Yes, God is independent and he can work without us, but he chooses and invites us to partner with him in his work in the world through prayer. Pray for peace. When tensions are running high, pray for peace and for protection. Pray for an end to racism, bigotry, and hatred. Pray for justice in the world, for beauty, for love, and for communities to thrive. Pray for God's kingdom to break into the present, releasing prisoners, bringing healing and hope, Pray for salvation. Pray for leaders. I'm not sure how to pray for our president, but he needs prayer. The world needs prayer. And we are not powerless, as powerless as we might think. What we can't do, God can, and he invites us to pray. Maybe a little lighthearted humor here, huh? Not to make light of the situation, but there's a scene in um, Fiddler on the Roof. You've seen Fiddler on the Roof? This little Jewish community of Anatevka is being oppressed by the Russians, Russian government, and uh, the men of the village come to the rabbi and say, Rabbi, Rabbi, is there a proper blessing for the czar? The rabbi thinks very thoughtfully and says, Yes, may God bless and keep the czar far away from us. So pray however God leads you for those who are in leadership, all leadership. Seven, pray. prayer builds intimacy and relationship with God. Prayer builds intimacy and relationship with God. Prayer is communication. It is speaking to God. It is listening to God. Prayer fosters relationship. Be intentional about keeping in close proximity to God through prayer. Jesus, again, modeled this the intimacy. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. And Jesus modeled that. He'd get up early in the morning, go off to a quiet place to be with his Father. We, ex- we witness him in the garden. Again, crying out to his Father there. There's an intimate relationship of trust and obedience and love between the two. And while Jesus walked on this earth, that relationship uh, was maintained by his prayer life, his communion with the Father. If Jesus needed that... <laughs> How much more don't you and I need to be in constant communion with our Father in heaven? Again, in Jesus' case, of course, the answer, at least in the garden, was no. And thank God that it was no, and that Jesus humbly submitted to the will of his Father, or we might not be here. Jesus humbled himself, and so God exalted him to the highest place. So the next time that you're praying or find yourself wondering, is anyone listening? Are my prayers just bouncing off the ceiling? Does God hear? Does God care? Remember Jesus' own experience of getting a resounding no to his prayer. There may be a reason why God is not answering or why God is saying no. Here's another story to shed some light on that. Some of you may know the story of Amy Carmichael. She was an Irish girl born with red hair and brown eyes. But she wanted blue eyes like her mother. 
And here's a poem uh, that she wrote that, experiences that, that expresses that experience, her prayer and God's answer of no to her prayer. Just listen to this. Just a tiny little child, three years old, and a mother with a heart all of gold. Often did that mother say, Jesus hears us when we pray, for he's never far away, and he always answers. Now that tiny little child had brown eyes, and she wanted blue instead, like blue skies, for her mother's eyes were blue, like forget-me-nots, she knew. All her mother said was true, Jesus always answered. So she prayed for two blue eyes, said good night, went to sleep in deep content and delight, woke up early, climbed a chair by a mirror, where, oh where, could the eyes, could the blue eyes be? Not there. Jesus hadn't answered. Hadn't answered her at all. Nevermore could she pray. Her eyes were brown as before. Did a little soft wind blow? Came a whisper soft and low. Jesus answered. He said, no. Isn't no an answer? This poem, written by Amy Carmichael, was based on something, again, that actually happened in her life when she was three years old. It seems in the providence of God that she was destined to have brown eyes, even though she was Irish and had red hair. She became a missionary to India in the late 1890s. At first, her ministry was evangelistic, but then she came to realize that there were parents who were selling their children to uh, the the, the temple uh, into temple prostitution. And uh, she came into contact with one of those children, and uh, God led her through that to take the child in. And then more stories of other girls and later boys surfaced and more opportunities to rescue and provide homes for these children arose. And Amy Amy struggled at first. I mean, her intent, her ministry was on evangelism. And uh, here she was seemed to be called to giving herself to housing and raising children, a ministry of compassion, mercy, and justice. But she concluded that that was indeed God's work and will for her life. And the ministry grew and it grew and eventually she uh, had a compound with housing for children of all ages, the workers who, who took them in and cared for them, and even their own hospital. Amy went undercover to find details of the children who were being exploited or sold. She dyed her hair and would stain her arms with coffee and wear Indian dress so that she could pass as an Indian woman and move about freely. She could never have done that with blue eyes. Her eyes would have given her away immediately. Neither she nor her mother knew all those years earlier the Lord's purpose for her brown eyes. But the lesson of faith stayed with Amy the rest of her life. Sometimes there is a very good reason why God says no. One of the more well-known examples of God clearly saying no in the Scriptures is uh, a heartfelt and fervent prayer of the Apostle Paul. And that's our second reading this morning, 2 Corinthians 12. starting with verse 7. You can just listen if you want to. Paul had been talking about uh, these great revelations that he had received from God, and then he says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had some sort of affliction which, we, which he attributed to Satan. We don't know exactly what it was that afflicted Paul. There are, of course, speculations, but it's sort of a blessing that we don't know exactly what it was because most of us can relate to Paul at some point or other. There may be some physical or mental weakness, an ailment, a sickness, deprivation or poverty, declining health, chronic pain, or some struggle or besetting sin. Whatever it was for Paul, Paul felt that it was hindering him in his work, his witness, his kingdom endeavors. And clearly, it was not something that he welcomed. He refers to it as a thorn in the flesh. Whatever it was, it seemingly restricted his life and ministry, at least from his perspective. It may indeed have hindered Paul, but it didn't hinder God from accomplishing what he wanted to through him. Paul tells us that he asked God three times to take it away from him. In fact, he says he pleaded with the Lord. His prayer was bold, fervent, and repeated, but God's response was a resounding no. The Lord said to him, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I don't know if Paul heard an audible voice or if it was just the still small voice uh, of the Lord, but if Paul were not listening, he might have assumed that God hadn't heard his prayer. He might have assumed that the answer was no without also hearing the assurance that God's grace would be sufficient for him. But he did hear, and he trusted God's wisdom. And so Paul concluded, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And it wasn't only that particular thorn in the flesh that Paul references, but he says, Whether it is weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, or difficulties of any kind, Paul said he would delight in them. And his resolve, his experience of God, led him to declare that when I am weak, then I'm strong. God's no answer to Paul resulted in Paul experiencing even more deeply God's grace at work in his life. His faith was stronger. Paul was stronger. He was wiser and more mature because God had said no, much as he might have wished that it was otherwise. Paul experienced God in new ways. Not by being freed from the thorn, but by leaning on God more because of it. We look at our circumstances or that of another, and we think sometimes, in our wisdom, our situation or or that of someone we care about or love, or we look at our world, it might be easy for us to say, no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. Just fix this, resolve that, and presto, life is sailing along smoothly once more. But God's no's are not intended to harm us. God sees the big picture, truly. Thank you, God, for prayers answered and the prayers you don't answer. We can be grateful that we don't always get what we want. And those things which matter most to us, prayers for healing, prayers for justice to be done or not done, prayers for deliverance, prayers for which we cannot understand how a good and powerful God would act in any other way. Even in those things, and maybe especially in those things, we must surrender to His wisdom, trusting His love and grace to be sufficient for us. And truly it is. Only believe and keep on praying.
Amen. Let's pray. God, forgive, forgive us, God, for the ways that we fail to avail ourselves of the privilege and responsibility, God, that we have to be in communion with you through conversation, through prayer. God, I ask for us here at Zion, for each of us, that your spirit would be at work in our hearts, prompting us to pray as you would have us pray. For your glory and for the world's good. In Jesus' name, amen.